Yes, good evening, everybody. Uh, I know we might be a little bit uh, short on chairs. If so, I uh, just want to let you know if you're still looking for a chair, uh, you can come up here in the front. There's some room up here in the front if you want to uh, plant yourself on the floor. You're more than welcome to do that. So come on up here if you want a, uh, a little extra room, uh, even though you might not necessarily have a chair. So come on up here and uh, we'll be happy to do that. As you're doing that, let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you. And God, we invite you we invite you tonight to do something dramatic in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you tonight to mess with us. We invite you tonight to mess with our hearts. As we go through life so often, God, we're trying to present, trying to be somebody, trying to make sure that we're in with the cool crowd, but God, you know our hearts, and God. We just ask you that you would invade our hearts and we give you permission tonight to mess with us. Mess with us tonight. Do your work, God. We pray that you would be glorified and that you would be honored here tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Last night, David Perkins talked about how awesome Jesus is. Jesus is awesome. And this morning, Pastor Brady talked about the fact that we need to be doing something now, not later. Not later, but now. And we're ready now, and we need to take advantage of the opportunities that we have. But I want to tell you something here tonight. The enemy wants to destroy you. The enemy wants to destroy your life. He doesn't want you to succeed. And you might walk out of here tonight, or you might walk out of here this weekend, get on a bus, get on an airplane, get on a, in, a, in a van, and, and drive home and say, God, that was awesome, that was, that was what I needed, that was the, the weekend that changed my life, and, and things are great, and maybe you go do some things in your school, or something changes, maybe you end a relationship, maybe you, you, you change some friends, you make some changes, but... But I want to tell you something here tonight, and that is that the enemy wants to destroy your life. And you may have a, a significant experience tonight. You may have a significant experience this weekend. You may have a story to tell. But the enemy will do whatever he can. And maybe he'll be patient, and he'll wait, but he will do whatever it takes to destroy you. It says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That is exactly what he wants to do to you. And I believe that one of the ways that he does that, or he might try to do that in your life, is for you to establish something in your heart. It's for you to have something going on in your life that will eventually, and maybe just over time, will destroy you. And one of the tactics of the enemy is that something will stay in the dark. That something stays in the dark. That, that something is not let out into the light. It says in James chapter 1, starting in verse 15. It says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
The devil wants death in your life. But it says there, when it is full grown, meaning it is going to take some time. It takes some time to, to build, to grow, to fester, to, to expand, to move beyond, to move outside, to, to grow and get bigger. And when it is full grown, it leads to death. Things grow in the dark. See, the enemy wants you to have secrets. He wants you to have a secret in your life. I think we all have lots of different things that we might be able to say, yeah, nobody knows that about me. Some of those things might be kind of silly. Maybe it's the number of baseball cards that you've kept and you, you maybe you're almost a little embarrassed by the number of baseball cards you have or how many hours that you've played video games. And it's like, oh yeah, I don't really want to tell anybody. But maybe, maybe there's something a little different than that. Maybe, maybe there's a secret in your heart about a greed problem that you have. Maybe there's a secret lust going on in your heart. Maybe, maybe there's something going on in your, in your head, some thoughts that are secrets that nobody else knows about. Maybe it's an eating disorder. Maybe it's cutting. Maybe it's, it's sex. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's some sort of addiction. And you, maybe you've tried, and you say, I've tried to get rid of it. I don't want anybody to know, but I'm just trying to get rid of it. And I just can't stop, or I try, and I'm okay for a little bit, and then I fall back in. And then I come to a conference like this, and I run to the front, or I, I, I kneel down, and I dedicate my life, rededicate my life. And then something else happens again and I trip up a little bit and come to youth group or come to church or come to a conference or maybe just even in the middle of my room and I get down on my knees and I rededicate my rededication and I, and I start over and I say, okay, God, this time I really mean it. This time I really mean it. I mean, last time I, I really meant it, but I didn't realize that I really, really mean it this time. I mean, last time I meant it, but this time I... I'm like super serious. I'm like extra serious. And you feel good. You get up the next day. You're like, okay, brand new day. Off to a new start. A couple days later, all of a sudden that thought happens again. And you do something about it. Those, you, you, you take something that's not yours. Or you, there's an attitude of your heart that, that starts to come out. And maybe you do something with your girlfriend that you're not supposed to do. And and then you go back to God, and God, I'm so sorry, I don't know what I'm doing here. You get down on your knees, and you, I, 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 I meant it that time. I really, really meant it, but now I really, really, really mean it. You rededicate your rededication of your rededication. Maybe, maybe it's not a sin issue. Maybe it's something that just maybe nobody, maybe it's a fear Maybe it's a regret. Maybe it's a humiliation. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a betrayal. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's pain that's going on in your heart. What is it that no one else knows about you? What is it that nobody else knows about you? I don't know if you've seen any of these books, but Several years ago, there was a guy, I believe he was in New York, and he decided one day to 
to try something, and he made up all these postcards, kind of blank postcards, and put his address on it. I'm not sure if he put stamps on it or not, but, but he put his address on it and wrote some instructions that say, basically, take this postcard, write your secret on it, totally anonymous, and mail it to me. And be creative. You can draw things on it if you'd like, or put tape something to it if you want, whatever, totally anonymous. Just send it to me. And so he starts taking these cards. I think he made 3,000 of them and put them in, in library books, stuck them in the middle of a library book and stuck them on coffee shop tables, put them in museums and just all over the city. And wherever he went, wherever he traveled, whatever he did, he was dropping these cards off. And over the next several years, these cards started to trickle in and somehow people started to get wind of this and they started making, finding out the address and making up their own postcards and drawing these things and sending them in. And, and before you know it, he's getting hundreds daily. And so what he has done is taken some of those cards and turned them into a book. There's actually several books out. And this particular one is called My Secret. And, and what it is, is, is a compilation of books is mostly young people from what he can gather based upon some of the things that they're saying or anything like that. And so all they are, is the, they are the postcards. They are the postcards, the pictures, the secrets that these people have mailed to him. There's no names on them. There's not any type of return address or anything like that. Let me just read a couple to you here. This one says 9,898 students, and I've never felt more alone. Probably a college student at a college campus, surrounded by people totally alone. This one says, I wish I had just one talent. This one says, in elementary school, I started lying and telling everybody I was allergic to peanuts. This is my first peanut butter cup in years. I had to eat it in my car so my fiance wouldn't see. He thinks that I'm allergic to them too. There was another one, it's not in this book, but it's in, it's in one of the other books, and it's probably one of my favorites, and it's, it's written on a Starbucks cup, and it's sent in, and it says, says when, I, when, a, when a customer is rude to me, I give them decaf when they've ordered caffeinated coffee. I am really, really nice to every Starbucks employee I ever talk to. <laughs> this one here says, sometimes I wish I didn't believe so I could stop feeling like I just keep disappointing God. This one says, I'm a cheerleader, but secretly, I deal drugs. This one says, I've been reaching out for help for over a year, but no one pays enough attention to even notice. This one says, my mom puts a star on the calendar for every day I haven't cut myself. I don't deserve five of these stars. This one says, I was molested for most of my childhood. And I will always hate myself for that. This one says, if I died, no one would notice. This one says, I lie to my mother about my finances so she won't worry about me. She thinks my bills are paid, but in reality, I'm in debt $85,000. That's a small debt. 
These are in a book. I have a few others here from some different people that I've talked with about some of these ideas regarding secrets. This one says, I run from love. This one says, I'm addicted to I've been addicted to pornography for four years. This one says, I'm a liar. I'm not sure if they're telling the truth about that or not, but... <laughs> this one says, I don't believe I deserve God's love because I can't forgive myself. I don't have faith and I'm too hard on myself. I'm afraid of death and I'm lonely. This one says, I can't stop hurting myself. I can't stop cutting. This one says, I haven't read my Bible in a year. This one says, I have such an intense fear of rejection that I even fear that God will reject me. And because of that, I'm suicidal. Secrets. Secrets will cripple a marriage, a ministry, a church, a friendship. And the enemy wants you to think, just keep it a secret and keep working on it all by yourself. But God says, bring it out of the darkness into the light. Actually, God has something pretty specific to say about secrets in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 2. He says, this is Jesus speaking, he says, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. What you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops. What Jesus is saying is, there is no such thing as a secret. It will come out. And too often those secrets will come out and that will be the thing that defines you. Think about our last president, President Clinton. He had a secret about something else that he was doing in the White House with one of the interns and he thought that that was going to stay a secret. It became a national fiasco. And when people think of him, a lot of times that's what they think of. We've seen that with leaders, we've seen it with pastors, we've seen it with business leaders. A secret comes out about maybe the way that a businessman is organizing his books or running the numbers, and all of a sudden the secret destroys his life and the lives of employees and the lives of the people that he's supposed to be serving. They actually are destroyed. I've experienced that firsthand with people around me that have kept secrets. And you don't know about it, and all of a sudden it comes out and it changes everything. And so I'm here tonight to talk about what it means for us to live without secrets. Because sometimes we think that we are keeping a secret, but the fact is, is that the secret is actually keeping us. We think that we are keeping the secret, but in actuality, the secret is keeping us. And we are convinced that we can't get out. We're convinced that we are stuck. And so all we have to do is manage and fight and keep fighting, and it's just an ongoing battle. If I can just fight for long enough, then everything is going to be okay. But I don't think that's the way God designed us and what He came to this world and died on the cross for us for. 
It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says that it was for freedom that he set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. See, we are given eternal freedom because of Jesus, what he did on the cross through salvation. But it says, because of that freedom, we can be free as we walk on the earth. The secrets don't have to keep us. Secrets don't have to be the thing that binds us up. And so you might say, well, Aaron, I don't know what to do. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Let's talk about a couple of ways that you, and, and a path that you can take in order for you to experience and live out Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and to experience freedom. And so tonight we're saying no more secrets, no more lies, no more hiding. Secrets will come out, but let's not have them come out and destroy families, churches, ministries, businesses. And so the first step, what do I do now? The first step is to admit it. Admit that you have a secret. You know, it's interesting as you read through your Bible, the, the Bible doesn't hide the junk of humanity. Too often we want to say, well, I, I don't like the fact that I'm struggling with this and so I want to hide it. If I let other people know, then they're going to see that I'm, I'm not a great Christian or I'm, I'm messed up or I, 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 don't, I don't have anything together. If you read throughout the scriptures, we see people with major struggles. If you read the guy, his name's David. Ever heard of him? He, he's known as a man after God's own heart. If you read through his story, he slept with another man's wife, killed her husband, had a huge mess on his hands, lied, and yet he was known as a man after God's own heart. And maybe one of the reasons, or part of the reason, was because he was willing to admit that he had a secret. The Bible's full of the junk of humanity. It's full of guys like Noah getting drunk. It's full of guys like Moses killing an Egyptian. It's full of guys like Peter denying Christ at the last hour. And you say, oh, I would never do that. And yet maybe there's a secret rolling around in your heart. And it just so happens that we happen to know about theirs. Think of Paul in chapter, in Romans chapter 7. We think of Paul as like super, super, super spiritual man. If he was a superhero, he'd be like right below Jesus. You know, he's got super spiritual powers. He's written the majority of the New Testament. Romans chapter 7, this is Paul speaking. And he says, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Paul is talking about these things. I don't want to do it. I don't. I can't. Oh, and he's wrestling. Paul, super Paul, super Christian Paul, super wrote most of the New Testament Paul. He wrote this. See, I think we've done ourselves a disservice to think that 
Well, when we follow God, we've got to have it all together. Everything has to be just right and look just right. And so, we, so if something isn't quite right, then we've got to make sure that nobody else sees that things aren't quite on track. But I want to suggest to you tonight that God uses broken things to produce fruit. He uses broken people to heal others. He uses broken soil to produce crop, broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength and life. And really what this is, is it's sometimes so hard for us to recognize, I have a secret, I have something that's, that's not quite right. It's, it's difficult for us to come to the place where we say, you know what, I, I admit I'm weak. I admit that there's something maybe not quite right. There's, not, there's something in there that I don't really like, that I don't want to tell anybody. That, And you want to leave it there, and you'd rather just, well, if I just, just build a high enough wall around it, if I just make it dark enough in that corner of my heart, maybe it will die. But in actuality, that which stays in the dark will grow. So step number one, we've got to admit it. And some of you are like, oh, that was easy. I have no problem admitting it. I've got major things going on, and I, I, I can admit it. I admit it to myself. You should see my journal. It is like every page is admitting, 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 admitting. No problem. Got the admission down. I, I mean, my journal, if I were to put a name on it, is my admissions that I am lame. That's like, that's it. That's my journal title. If I were to turn it into a book, that is it. Step two, confess to God. It says in 1 John chapter 5, excuse me, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, if you confess your sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It also says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, it says, He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You're like, okay, submit this to God. Okay, I can, can do that. This is all about saying, God, I'm, I, I need mercy. I need your mercy. I can't do this on my own. you're like, well, I don't know, Aaron, if you knew my secret, if I told you my secret, you would fall off your stool up here. And if I told God, I think God would not like me anymore. I think God would demote me to like second class, third class, fourth class. I don't know. I mean, I might, might not get used. I don't know. I just, the stamp, God would put a stamp on me. It just let me tell you something. It's not like God doesn't know. It's not like if you tell him, hey, God, this is what I did last weekend with my girlfriend, and this is what I, or this is what I is in my heart, or I, this is what I, I, I did one time. This, I took this from this person, or I said this to this guy. It's not like God is going to hear that and look down at you. What? Oh, myself. I cannot believe that. That is no way. God is not surprised. God is not surprised for you to open your mouth and tell God he's not going to fall off his throne. 
It says in Psalm 139, starting in verse 1, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways, all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. God knows everything about you. It says in Psalm chapter 44, verse 21, it says, Would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? It is not a surprise for you to confess something to God. And let me tell you something with what, let me tell you what he does with those things. Micah chapter 7 verse 18 says, who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. It says in Psalm chapter 103, Verse 10 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. When we confess to God, he, he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. He treads it under his feet, he, he gets rid of it. He, he's not offended by it. He's not surprised by it. God actually gives mercy. See, because what happens is we get things out of the darkness where they grow, and into the light. And the light of God does something to those secrets. There's something about getting it out, confessing it to God. And when we confess it to God, we receive forgiveness. God says, I forgive you for what you did. I forgive you. I, I wash you clean for what has happened to you. Some of the secrets maybe that are in your heart that nobody knows that are tripping you up and maybe even causing you to do some other things are something that somebody else did to you. It was not your fault. It was not something you chose. It was not something that you had any control over. But there's a secret about something that has happened to you that you never told anybody. And because of that, there's other things going on in your life. Maybe you've told people about what's going on in your life and some of the byproducts of that, but you've never told them what has ever happened to you, what somebody else did to you. But when we confess those secrets to God, there's forgiveness. There's mercy. God says he washes us clean. He purifies us. You're like, okay, I, I can do that. I can admit that I... I have a secret. I can identify it. I can admit it. I can bring it to God. I can, I can do that. I can confess my sin to God. Maybe you write it down. Maybe, maybe you, you, you get in your time with the Lord and you kneel down and you say, God, this is, this is the secret of my heart. And 
And you experience the forgiveness of God, but then you find yourself again saying, okay, I've done that. I've got forgiveness from God, but I'm stuck. I'm still stuck. There's something else. James chapter 5, verse 16. It says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You're like, whoa, oh, Aaron. I'm okay with admitting that I've got something. I'm okay with like writing it in my journal to God. Confess to God. Forgiveness, I've got that. But confess to someone else. So because of that, we've got this microphone set up here. And so if you want to, no, I'm just kidding. You're like, well, I can, how about if I, how about instead of confessing my secrets to somebody else, I can confess somebody else's secrets. I think I know somebody else's secrets. I don't know that they know their, my, I don't know that they know that I know that they're, their secret, but I'll confess their secret for them. How does that sound? I can confess somebody else's issues. I can do that. God says, confess your sins, confess your secrets, confess what is in your heart to someone else that they might pray for you because as you confess to someone else, there is healing. Forgiveness given by God, healing comes when you confess to someone else. See, because confession is not just about us getting right with God and receiving forgiveness. And so many of us have come to the place where we've asked God a hundred times, a thousand times, and confessed and wondered, okay, God, what's going on here? God saying, I want you to be healed, but in order to be healed, I want you to confess to someone else. Now, the cult, our culture would say, keep it inside because you need to be strong, and you don't tell somebody else about your weaknesses because we don't want to be seen as weak. Our culture says, be strong, be tough, overcome. But God says, I have overcome, and the way that I overcome in you is that you confess to someone else. Admitting that you need help, admitting that we need help, is really tough. Feel so vulnerable and so weak, and to feel weak feels so so much like somehow we're, we're not quite right or that we don't, we're supposed to have it together. But I think it's actually in that broken place that God says, okay, that, that's exactly where I want you. And in confessing to someone else, healing comes. And really the goal is that depending on what it is that is in your heart, that you actually confess to the person that you've sinned against. If there's somebody that you've done something against that you actually confess it to them. When I was in high school, I, I remember buying my very first telephone. Now, it wasn't a cell phone. Cell phones, looked, they were about this size when I was in high school. You know, I was like carrying it around and hello, hello, you know, and you, ha- you had to plug it in in your car, you know, one of those. They carried around in like a suitcase. That, that, so cell phones weren't like, you know, everybody has a cell phone today. But I remember buying my very first phone, like plug it into the wall. And I, I thought it was, I was so excited. And I bought this, I remember going to the store 
And there was, this, there was this phone. And I wanted this one phone where you could pick up the, the, the thing, the receiver, whatever that's called. And it was like this. But then, you know, the cord came out to it. And this was the base where you could push the numbers. And you could pick this side up and you could talk on the other side as well. And so what you could do is I could be on this phone and my friend could be on this phone and we could be talking to somebody else. It was like three-way calling. It was amazing. It was, it was profound technology. And so what I did, though, I went to the store and I, I didn't have quite enough money to buy that phone. But I wanted that phone so bad. I, that was, I mean, my coolness factor just would have up through the roof to buy the double phone. Oh, yeah, you want to come over to my house? I got it. I got it. You should see my phone. <laughs> I can talk on one side. We can, you can talk on the other. Yeah. I didn't have enough money for it, though, so I took the box in the store, and I scraped the price tag off, and I found something in the store that I could afford, and I scraped that price tag off, and I put it on the phone box. I thought, now I've got enough money. <laughs> that, was, that was nice. Kind of brought the phone box right up to the counter. Hi. How you doing? Good. Just thinking, just sweating bullets, you know. She, the cashier there rings it up, says, tells me how much it's going to be. Give her my money. And then I'm thinking, oh, this is, that, this is working. <laughs> I'm going to be the double phone man. Yes. I'm walking. She's like, okay, here's your receipt. Here's your phone and your bag. And I'm walking out of the store. I got home. Double phone man. Put it up, put it in my room. I remember my first phone call. Hello, how's it going? How you doing? It's a good day. <clears throat> I don't know how this happened, but maybe two weeks later, my mom came to me, and I thought, I'm not, I, I'm not telling it. I really have no idea to this day how this happened, except for that moms have some sort of radar. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't remember telling anybody. I can't remember... I mean, writing it down. My mom somehow read my mind and knew what was going on in my thoughts as I walked into the door and set up my little phone because about two weeks later, she says, comes to me and says, hey, Aaron, um, how about that phone? Yeah, what about it? Pretty sweet, huh? You want to use it? I mean, I know you, mom, you and dad don't have a double phone. Would you like to... You want to use my double phone? I said, no, but um, how much do you pay for that phone? Oh, about that time I wanted to melt into the floor and I said, told her how much I paid for it. She said, well, I went to that store the other day and that's not how much I saw that phone cost. And I, she said, did you switch the price tags on that and end up not paying the right amount for that phone? And I was like, what? Are you sure? Somebody else must have switched the tag on the phone, on the box, prior to me getting there. I just picked up the box and got lucky. 
She said, no, I don't think that's what you did. Uh, yeah, you're right. I'm really sorry. I'm thinking, okay, all right, what, I'm going to get grounded or have, the curfew's going to be tightened or something. And she said, I want you to go to the store. Oh, I could feel it coming. And she said, I want you to go to the store and I want you to take that phone and the receipt back. And I want you to tell the cashier. Actually, I want you to go to the cashier and ask for a manager. And I want you to tell them what you did. And then you're going to pay the difference or anything else. If they say that they want interest or if they want to give you a ticket, I don't know, whatever they do. And I think, I don't know, what do they do to people that do that? <laughs> I think there's like a special prison for people that do this. <laughs> so I remember it was the next day. I mean, I couldn't sleep. It, I just thought this is going to be the worst thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life. I ended up taking the box, the receipt, the, the difference in, and called the manager and told him what I did. And so I didn't just tell anybody. I told the person that I specifically had the sin against. My secret specifically offended. You might say, well, why, why do I have to go do that? I mean, can't I just tell my accountability partner? Can't I just tell my friend? The sin has already been committed. The damage has already been done. And God says confession is what brings healing. See, because the issue is we need to come to the place where we care more about what God has to say than what others think. And we say, all right, this is what God says in his word. He says, this is what I need to do. And you're thinking, I can't do that. Do you realize I'm going, I think I may freak out. I'm about to pass out in this session right now, Aaron, based upon what you're telling me. Just the thought of talking to somebody about my secret, my, my hands are like pouring sweat, just dripping off of my hands. I, I can't, just the thought. We've got to care more about what God has to say about our lives than what somebody else thinks. I want to read a story to you about a girl that responded and told, emailed me after I had talked about secrets and a while ago. And it was actually four months later after I talked about secrets that she emailed me and she said, she said, um, I've been praying a lot about my secret. And I feel like it's finally, I think, maybe, it's finally time to tell somebody. And as you were speaking, I felt like you were speaking directly to me as you read about some of the secrets. She said, I too have a secret and I've been struggling with it for two years now. I've prayed over and over to God that he would help me eliminate this part of my life. And after many failed attempts at stopping, I just wind up frustrated with all hope lost of ever completely being freed. The secret has kept me bound up in chains. I can't go a day without thinking about it. And there's a huge longing in my heart for it to just disappear so that I could live my life without having to worry about it or think about it anymore. 
Sometimes I can't enjoy any part of my day, all because the thoughts of it keep running through my mind. I've asked God to change my heart so I wouldn't dwell on this anymore, but it's still a huge part of my life. And she goes on to talk about how, how much it's impacting her life, impacting her relationships. And I'm thinking, okay, I wonder what this is, you know, as I'm reading through this email. And so it says at the end of it, and she says, and so I'm wondering if you have any advice as to how I could get rid of this, what else I could do. Thanks for listening, because I'm not going to tell my secret. And I'm like, really? All right. I emailed her back. And I said, um, there's nothing else you can do. What you need to do is confess to God and then confess to someone else. She says, thank you for writing me back. And she says, okay, so here's my secret. Hmm, where to start? I guess I'll just come out with it. So I've been kind of insecure about myself. I've been hating the person that I am. I really, I mean really hating myself. Everything about my personality, who I am and what I do with my time, and a big one, the way I look. And I guess that there's something inside of me that says I'm only as worth, worth as much as the way my body looks. And, and so I formed a habit of throwing up almost after almost every meal. This girl's anorexic, had a secret for two years nobody knew. She goes on to talk about what that's meant and the agony it's produced in her life. She says, I put off this joyful vibe and people tell me that I'm such a joyful person, but on the inside I'm dying and thinking constantly about what I'm lacking and being all depressed. Wondering why I bother with anything at all if it just makes me fall apart inside. And I've had thoughts about getting help just because I can't stand dealing with this anymore and I can't stand hating myself this much. I mean, I have to live every day with myself. I can't get away from myself there's nothing I can do. I said, all right, now, next little step. You've told me, I want you now to pray about talking with somebody. I have somebody that you could talk to that's dealt with an eating disorder before, and I think she can help you. It took her about six weeks to, through email and some communication to finally build up the courage to be able to talk to this friend of mine and finally comes in, talks to her. That was about six months ago. Let me tell you what happened first of all. She said after, it took her, from meeting with my friend, she said it took a couple of months and I knew that I needed to tell a couple of my really good friends. Because up to that point she had told people that didn't know her, didn't know her history, hadn't, didn't walk through life with her. But I didn't want to. I was so afraid that if I told them, they would leave me and not want to be my friends anymore. I thought the shame that I felt about my secret meant that they would be ashamed of me too. One day, the Lord gave me the courage and I told my best friend and I, that I had to tell her something that was really difficult for me and I told her my secret. She gave me a huge hug and told me that she honestly didn't see me any differently and that she still loved me. That was about six months ago. Today, and in those, these last four, five, six months, she's had a couple of times that she's thrown up and had to deal with this. Bondage, multiple times a day to a couple of times. And this is what she writes. 
I needed to tell you what happened after I shared my secret. And let me tell you the transformation in my heart and my life that has been absolutely incredible. It all happened after I completely let go of everything I wanted for myself, gave it to God, and told someone, told someone else. As I did that, something began to happen in my heart and in my life. He enabled me to see myself, not through the eyes of the world, but through his eyes, the eyes of truth. He has been revealing himself to me as truth, and his word has been coming alive in my life. I find all I need in him. I know 100% that I was made for him. And everything in my life comes together with his voice. I have found my life in him. It fits. It is the truth that I was searching for, that I was desperate for. He has blessed me with a joy that no one and nothing can rob me of. The freedom that I experience is the most wonderful thing of all. Because she shared her secret. Now, it was, a, it was a process for her. Just saying, okay, well, I'm going to confess to God. I'll tell my friend tonight, and then I guess it's done. I think there's a process that we go through, but it's part of the healing process. I believe that God wants us to be men and women of God that don't live with secrets. Let's stand up, let's, and we're going to do something here tonight the band could make their way out on your seat. Or if you don't have a seat up here on front of, in the front of the stage, there's one of these cards. Looks just like this. And on it, it says, what's your secret? And this is what I want you to do. And the band's going to play here a couple of songs. And I want you to take some time, find a pen, find a marker, find a crayon, whatever you need to do. And I want you to write your secret down. Some of you might say, Aaron, there is, I'll do the, I can admit that I have a secret. I can confess it to God, but there's no way I'm taking step number three. Or maybe you say, I, I can admit it, but I can't even confess. I, just, just for it to come out of my mouth, even if nobody hears it except for God, I, just the idea of spitting it out of my mouth. This is what I want to do is provide maybe a, just a little baby step for you here tonight. And that is that you write it down. You don't have to put your name on it. You don't have to put your phone number on it. You don't have to put your email address on it. You don't have to put anything on it that says, this is who I am. Please contact me. This is, what I, this is where I live. Don't put your, you don't have to put your address on it. But what's your secret? Maybe this will be the, the first little step, the first half step. Maybe this will just build a little bit of courage, just like it did for the girl in the email that I just read to you, that the, the step that, of emailing me, telling me her secret for the very first time, nobody else knew, then being able to talk to a friend of mine, that, that this girl that was able to walk her a little further, then the next step was talking to a friend, and she eventually told her parents, see, there was these steps, and maybe this is that, that half step for you tonight. This is not between you and me. This is between you and God. 
I believe that God has amazing plans and amazing destinies. He has futures that are amazing. He has churches and ministries, people groups, missionaries, nations to be rocked and changed by lives in here. But that can all go away in an instant because a secret can destroy us. But maybe tonight that half step can be the half step towards healing, towards getting to the place where you say, you know, I wrote it down on a card, but let me tell you about something that's going on in my heart and you tell somebody that knows you. See, because we're made to walk through life with other people. We're made to need other people. We're, we're not supposed to be isolated. We're not supposed to isolate things in our own hearts. And See, it's great to come to a, an event like this with thousands of people and, and have an experience, but it's bigger, it's bigger than this in the fact that it's smaller than this. There's something deeper than this because there's something that God wants to happen on an individual basis. Not just a mass of people connecting in a mass, but about individuals connecting with other individuals because when we confess to one another, God says there's healing. And so as the music plays, I want you to write it out. And whenever you're ready, I want you to just take that card and you can just come on up here and just drop it up here on the stairs. It's right up here on the platform. For some of you, as you drop it up here, it might be about you dropping it at the foot of Jesus and saying, I've never confessed this to anybody, let alone confessed it to God, but I'm going to drop my secret right here as a, as, a, as a symbol, as a way to say that I'm dropping this at the foot of the cross. Or maybe you're, you'd say, all right, God, this is my half step towards telling somebody else. And so you can just start to make your way up here and make your way back to your seats, but we're going to do that as the, as the music plays. And I, I just encourage you, ask God, God, I pray for the courage, one, to write it down. I ask you for the courage that this will, that will, it will rise up in my heart, that a secret won't destroy me, that it won't, it won't be full grown, it won't have the chance to be full grown. Maybe for you, some of you, these secrets are brand new. Maybe these secrets are not very old, but let's not let them get full grown. I think we can, we can keep them from growing here tonight. Lord Jesus, we say to you tonight that we want our hearts to be wide open to you. And so God, I just pray that as we worship here together and as we talk about the things that throughout this weekend and in so many different places that you have called us to, to make impact, to glorify your name. God, I pray that we would eliminate the things in our lives that might trip us up and keep that from happening. So God, I pray for courage. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd mess with our hearts tonight so that healing, forgiveness might happen. In Jesus' name. Feel free to drop it on any part of the stage as we're worshiping here. Allow God to do his work in your heart.